So as a way of review, let's let's talk about some of the things that we have been we have been going through. We've talked about the scriptures, we've talked we've talked about the doctrine of God, and we've talked about the fall of man. And so this is our first four points, or first three points, four and a half points, three and a half points of our of our statement of faith. And what are some of the things that we have been gaining thus far in our in our study? Mary, you're looking ahead. I'm looking back. Oh, okay. I apologize. Looking back. What are some of the things that we are we are gaining in our in our study? Does y'all's look like mine? Y'all see mine? Look like mine. Does y'all's look like that? <laughs> sort of. You're like that today. Yeah. What What are some of the things we're learning? What is it? What are we talking about? Well, but it's based on scripture. It's okay. Scripture. Good. Very good. Absolutely. Right? Including point number one of the scripture. Right? Because we believe what? What do we believe about scripture? Without reading the statement of faith, tell me what do we what do we believe? Inspired by God through written God through men. Okay. Has authority. Absolutely. It's it's what we it's what shapes us, right? The uh, a, a quote that I would like love for you guys to learn is that the the people of God are shaped by the Word of God. The people of God are shaped by the Word of God because it is it is our authority, right? Inspired by God. What else? What else? God's purposes. Okay, He has a purpose behind it, right? Purpose of revealing Himself, right? As revealing Himself and how He is bringing about reconciliation to men between Him and God, Him Himself, right? What else? Inspired, revealed. This is revelation. It's authoritative. It's an inerrant. Very good. It's inerrant, which means it is without error. Mistakes. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Yeah. Absolutely. The same thing. Without mistakes. Without. Without error. Very good. All right. And of the the true God, we've talked about the doctrine of God that He is that He is holy, and He is worthy of all glory. If He's if He is God and Creator of all things, uh, an infinite, intelligent Spirit, uh, Maker, supreme, sovereign over all things. Um, then he, and he is holy, then he is worthy of all glory and all worship. He is worthy of all glory and all worship. Right? We talked about the Trinity, we talked about the unity in the Trinity, and the roles within the Trinity as well in, in point two. We covered a lot of ground right there in, in point two. Now, going from God, right? We, we, before we get to us, we always got to start with, with God. Right? We've got to have a, a really good foundation on who God is and scripture and then we get to us and we are created right we're, we're part of creation we were we were created by God um, created were we created good or were we created bad 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 we were created in creation we were created good that's right very good so Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis 2. And created good, and in fact, in, it says here in, in holiness, in holiness we were we were created, um, and then man fell, 
What's that? That's right. He and he declared it to be good. He said it was good. The only, you know what the only thing he said was not good. Anybody know? What was the only thing that wasn't good in Genesis one and two? Adam didn't have a helper. Yeah, it's not good for man to be alone. So there you go. Very good. All right. So created, and then we see the moral freedom, original sin, the fall of man, voluntary transgression. We talked about how. We are uh, uh, we are born. Uh, we were created able to sin and able not to sin. Uh, but now, after the, the the fall of man, after original sin, now we are born uh, not able to not sin. Right, uh, without the ability to not sin, uh, in a sense. So that's what the original sin has done. Man has fallen. We're morally responsible. We're depraved, and there's an inability in our in our depravity. Right, inability to to save ourselves. Right, we are we are without excuse, without defense, unable to save ourselves. We have we have nothing that comes to the table uh, um, to to bring out any kind of outweighing the the cosmic treason that we have committed to before the Lord. All right, let's let's read point four, and uh, let's let's read point four. And uh, let's see, how Kelly, would you read point four for us, please? And then we will get going. Salvation. Yes, sir. We believe that the salvation of sinners is holy of grace through the mediatorial offices of the Son of God, who by the appointment of the Father freely took upon him our nature, yet without sin, honored the divine law by his personal obedience, and by his death made a full atonement for our sins, that having, that, that having risen from the, from the dead, he is now enthroned in heaven, and uniting in his wonderful person the tender sympathy with divine perfections, he is every way qualified to be a suitable, a compassionate, and an all-sufficient Savior. All right, very good, thank you. So this point of the way of salvation, uh, we, we could almost change the title of this point to what? May I remember? The way of Christ. Okay, yeah, a personal work of Christ, right? This is This is the... The work of Christ. This is what, what He has done. And, and so salvation is through Christ. John 14.6. Anybody know John 14.6? Dig back to your Awana days. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That's right. And who's speaking? Red Niners, Jesus. Very good. Um, so we talked about, I believe we, we talked about points one through four. Four. We didn't start four, but we did one through three. Okay, so one, um, grace alone. Two, mediator, high priest, or Christ alone. Uh, point three, incarnation, right, and impeccability. Incarnation and impeccability, I-M-P-E-C-C-A-B-I-L-I-T-Y. Anybody know what impeccability means? I am P-E-C-C-A-B-I-L-I-T-Y. Impeccability. What does that mean? Perfect. Perfect. Without sin. Right? He's impeccable. Right? Now, what, what, what y'all don't... What, I, what I'm seeing, because I, I, I took notes and was looking up, is you remember that... Remember when we said back in the fall of man, the uh, not able to sin... 
are created, created able to sin and able not to sin, right? That, that's, that word sin, right? The, the Latin is, the, um, is the, um, the passe, right? And that's where that word comes from, that, that root of that word of M, not able to sin, passe. Um, and so uh, we see kind of where, where we, we sin. We're, we're not impeccable. In fact, we, we are peccable. We sin. Christ is impeccable. And so we're talking about his, his nature here in that he is, he is born of the flesh, right? He is two natures in one, right? Human and yet God, right? You remember what was the, what was the big term that we used to talk about this, this union between God the, God the man, the flesh, God, the deity, right? What do we what did we call that? The two natures coming together. Very good. That's right. Hypostatic union, right? So, um, very good. That's that's good. I, I, I like y'all to be. You don't have to know these, but I like if you just be familiar of of these terms here of of the two becoming the two becoming one. He was he was not one at one time and then one another. He was both uh, 100% of the time. All right, so we talked about, about that one. Point four, point four now, is obedience. Point four is obedience. So Christ honored the divine law by his personal obedience. Why is this an important point? Why would we why would why would this be in in the statement of faith Christ's personal obedience He honored the divine law by his by his personal obedience Why would why would we want to put this in here what does that mean Okay that's a say so there's an implication of it implication of it that's good but if Christ was perfectly obedient, why is that? What is that? Why is that good? Because we weren't. There it is. That's right. That makes him the the perfect atoning sacrifice. That spotless lamb. Remember, so it's we can all. It's funny how we like to point to the the metaphors, the foreshadows of the Old Testament to, to prove what we are, we know is a reality in the New Testament. Um, but it helps us understand um, the reality, right? Christ. Perfect, a perfect, spotless sacrifice, right? Go back to the impeccability, without sin. And he was perfectly obedient to God, right? He was perfectly obedient to God. And he was also willingly obedient, right? He wasn't, he wasn't forced. He, was, he willingly laid down his life for, to be a ransom for many, right? He willingly laid himself down as a ransom for many. So let's go to... Philippians 2, 8. Carson, go ahead and turn there. Um, Mr. Richard, would you read the Galatians 4 passage? We should be familiar with the, the Philippians passage. We've been there several times, but go ahead and read that uh, for us. And being found in human form, he honored himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. There it is, right? Perfect obedience. Obeyed God's law, uh, the divine law, as we see here. And Galatians 4. Four and five. But when the fullness, <clears throat> but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to 
to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Amen. There it is. So so now we see what his what that obedience purchased. Right? It, it purchased our reconciliation, our, our adoption. Very good. We were redeemed through through this obedience on the, of being of the cross. Alright, so there's there's point four, obedience. Y'all everybody good with that? We're good? Okay. Number five, and by his Jesus' death made a full atonement for our sins. And by his death made a full atonement for our sins. What do we mean when we talk about his death, right? We're talking about his crucifixion, right? So let's make sure we get that that part, right? His crucifixion on, on the cross. But by that death on the cross made full atonement. What do we mean by atonement? What does that mean? What does atonement mean? Payment. Okay. Payment. What else? Atonement. You've heard the word before, right? Anybody not heard the word before? Atonement? Yeah, okay. What does that mean, atonement? Well, good. I'm glad, because we're going to go, we're going to unpack it together. And so now, we can learn it. Excellent. So here's atonement, right? So we, we know that by his death, he's making full atonement. Full, completely, completely paid for, right? He didn't take out a loan, didn't go to the, the bank. He took, he paid it in full. It's paid in full for our sins. I think you're starting to catch the idea of what we're, what we're talking about here. Uh, Isaiah 53, go ahead, Savannah, Isaiah 53. Um, Abby, go to Matthew 20. Bill, I'll let you look for Romans 3. And Miss Susan, you can do 1 John 4. All of what's in 1 John there that we have, we see there. Mary, you can do 1 Corinthians 15. And Kelly, you can do Hebrews 9. All right, Isaiah 53. All right. So in this Isaiah 53 passage, this is a prophecy, right? Old Testament prophecy about the the atoning work of the the uh, uh, the final complete sacrifice, the full atoning work, which would be the Son of God. Um, uh, prophesied 700 years before before Christ. Now, you, look, how, look how specific he is. He bore our griefs, carried our sorrows, and yet we still esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds, or with his wounds, we are, we are healed. Now, now, in, in the idea of atonement, we would, we would want to put onto this passage, not put onto this passage, but we would draw out on this passage 
that the the death of Christ, which is described in this passage, took away our sins, right? He bore our sins. He took our sins. And in the theological world, we call that expiation, right? He, 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 took, he took away our sins, right? There's another, there's another terminology that's, that's put here, I think we also see in this passage, and that is penal substitution, Right? Substitutionary. So substitutionary atonement. Right? Or one who was who was our substitute, who, who died in our our place. Right? So uh, so we see in this passage here in Isaiah 53 these, these two great ideas of, of substitution and expiation. Right? So we're we're kind of using some other words in these verses to, to look at uh, the ideas of what the different aspects of what uh, atonement is. So substitution, what took our place, expiation, uh, took away our sins or bore our bore our sins uh, in in our place. Right? There's expiation and penal substitution. Let's go do uh, Matthew twenty. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. All right, to, to not to be served, but to serve and to give himself as a ransom. What does a ransom mean? A payment. What's that? A payment. A payment. That's right. right? A, a, a payment on uh, uh, for for others. Right. He gave. He was the the price. You know that that o- perfect obedient Savior, perfect the Son of God, was the payment for uh, uh, for our. Um, for our life. So we see here, uh, let me find my place here, sacrifice, redemption, right? The aspects of the atonement, redemption, right? The, the price of redemption, the ransom that was, was paid was through the life of, through, through the death of, of Christ. For our redemption, for his sacrifice. Um, very good. Uh, Romans 3. Now the righteousness righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have, have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. Amen. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. All right, there is a lot in this passage here. All right, if you want, uh, we'll talk about uh, justification in, in a minute, and uh, ironically, we don't we don't quote this verse because we've been using it in so many other places. But um, this is the aspect of what justification is, and where our justification uh, comes from, and and what we see here, particularly in verse twenty five, God put forth as a propitiation by His blood. Right, put Jesus Christ, the redemption, right to to redeem. To, to purchase, 
once again, right, there's, there's another aspect of, our, of the atonement is redemption, right, to, to purchase, to, to, to redeem, um, to, to make good, right, um, and to then bring about propitiation, right? We talked about, I think we talked about propitiation last week. Well, what was that word? What does that mean again? What does propitiation mean? To satisfy the wrath of God. Amen. To satisfy the wrath of God, right? So this is, this right here is probably one of, one of the most important verses not, not just verses, but one of the most important words in all of the New Testament. Propitiation is so big and so important um, because it, it really shows us that the wrath of God that was due to sinners, which we talked about, what was it, last week when we talked about the fall of man that are under just condemnation, eternal ruin, back in point three. We, we deserve infinite, eternal wrath. And yet Christ and His atoning work paid it fully. Satisfied it completely. He, he, he took the whole thing, bore it upon Himself, and, and, and it satisfied God's, uh, uh, God's wrath toward, uh, toward those sinners. That's huge. This, this, is, this, is, this is the gospel in one word. Right? So, so no longer is there wrath due toward, toward me or toward, toward you. That's why Paul can say such audacity in uh, Romans 8, therefore now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And why is that? Because Christ fully atoned for it. He fully atoned for it. He was the one and only perfect sacrifice that was given by God, right here in verse 26, God being the just and the justifier. You see some Trinitarian language there. God being the one paying the price for us through His Son. That He may become the just and the justifier of our sins. And pay that price. Right, I think this is where I want us to... Um, I really hope that you can you can start learning some of these things and learning some of these words and these ideas, not just for intellectual sake, because you won't get them if that's the point, but if it's the point of, because you're starting to see more and more the depth and the level by which God has loved you through the death of His Son, fully paying the wrath that was due to you for every sin that you've committed and will commit, how that will inform everything in your life. It informs not just our worship, it informs how we do things corporately, it informs how we, uh, how, we, how we love one another, as we will see on Sunday. Again, how we love one another is all informed by this. And if there's, as and he continues in Romans 8, you know, if God doesn't con- condemn, if God doesn't, if, if God doesn't pour, pour his wrath, then who can? Who can condemn me? Who can bring a charge against his elect, as Paul says? No one. If God be for you, who can be against you? So think about the, the, the implication. This isn't just, just about salvation. This is about our life. This, this is how we, we, we think about life fully atoned for. 
that our sins have, that, that were cosmic treason against God because he and his such rich mercy and such rich grace back in Ephesians 2, 4, but God being rich in mercy sent his son. Then we see about to be a propitiation. He God put forward. Christ willingly in obedience was put forward. Propitiation. Learn that. Learn that word. And we have a statement of faith to, yep. to a, a vow assert based upon <clears throat> Scripture, the Bible, God's Word, that these are the things that we believe. And often we've talked about a statement of faith that's necessary because it speaks to the, the contemporary society and culture. And one of the things that we confront in, in religion and those that would call themselves Christian religion in this day is the denial of propitiation. Uh, they refuse to use the word, refuse to accept that it's a, a scriptural truth because they, they deny the wrath of God. Uh, they would deny that God uh, has uh, any right to have wrath against his creation uh, since and, and they have their arguments. But uh, this is... They, they, they have to get rid of the wrath of God, and if you get rid of the wrath of God, then there's no need for propitiation. But where they don't go and don't follow logically, if there's no need of propitiation, there's no need of a Savior. Yeah. Now, some of them will get there, but, uh, but they'll, they'll have other reasons. They make Jesus and force him to what they want him to be. But again, as we address the world in which we live, we, we uh, avow this statement of faith. It says, the Bible says that the Son of God was put forth as the propitiation to satisfy the wrath of God against our sin. Yeah, and I would put penal substitution being on that list too. Yeah. You know, to, to take away that idea that, that, that we would, number one, we would need a Savior. And the, uh, um, the offensiveness that God would send His Son, uh, in fact, uh, Liberals have used the words um, that that penal substitution. The idea of penal substitution is offensive, in in the same way as as being cosmic, not cosmic, but divine child abuse, is is what they would say. That, that God sending His Son would be divine child abuse, um, uh, and and it, it goes so much deeper. Of course, we then we can say, well, that the problem is, is you just deny the Scripture because that's what the Scripture teaches and. And then they would go, bingo, that's right. <laughs> you know, um, so we, we shape in, in what, we, what we want. Um, and that's why we start with the authority of Scripture first. Um, and so that these ideas we, we want to be in subjection to. Uh, and, and what good news is that, right? What, what's such good news um, that, that we could be forgiven? Um, you know, all that all that guilt and all that shame that we, we feel when we, when we sin or when we mess up, that's, uh, that's usually just us. That's usually just us. And, and the evil one throwing his fiery darts, telling you you're not good enough and you're unlovable and all that. And, uh, and we know. We can, we can quote this. No, right? I know I need to repent. That the wrath of God has fully been atoned for. Christ's work is it's done. Right, you know, we we celebrated it on this past Sunday, the Lord's Supper. Um, I like the 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 quote that David Platt says. He says that he 
He took the full cup of the wrath of God. He drank the whole thing and said, it is finished. It's done. He drank all the wrath um, and, and said it was finished. So, very good. That's good Good stuff. Uh, First John passages kind of builds up on our, our, our ideas of propitiation. Go ahead and read that for us, please. We're not, I went back to Romans. Oh. <laughs> four ten. Yes, ma'am. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Amen. And then two, two. Yes. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Amen. The propitiation. That is such a, and, and I'm so glad the translators leave that word in there the way it is. Right? Instead of trying to assuage it to something else. That's so good. All right. First uh, Corinthians 15. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you you believed in vain. Yes, ma'am. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. Amen. Very good. Very good. And, and it continues, and we, we could read that too, and that would be wonderful. Um, but there it is, that, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with Scriptures. And this is delivered of first importance, right? And, and this is of first importance, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with Scriptures. Verse 4, that he was buried, he was raised on the third day according to Scriptures. So resurrection, the, the death, burial, and resurrection, number one, right? The, 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 the basics of the gospel. Of or are of the first importance, right? So, so the atonement, the atonement is of the first importance. The things that we need to know, the things we need to understand about uh, about the gospel message and what Christ has done on our behalf. There again in First Corinthians fifteen, very good. Hebrews nine. It's a good passage. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself up without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serving the living God. Therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Since a death has occurred, that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. All right, very good. Now we're getting some some deep stuff of the atonement and sacrifice, right? And what Christ did, Christ paid as our as our sacrifice. He's that perfect mediator of the new covenant, right? The the new covenant that we now have in Christ. Um, very good, very good. It's a good one of the atonement. All right, questions on, on that point, point five, on the atonement. Great places to look, great places to turn here. Very good. All right, let's look at uh, that point six. Point six, the resurrection. That having risen from the de- from death, he is now enthroned in heaven. We have resurrection and ascension here. That from having risen from the dead, he now is enthroned 
in heaven. So what's the, what is the importance of the resurrection and the ascension? What, is that, what does the resurrection tell us? Was that a typo? Yes. From yes, it is. Yes. Okay. What was the question? What is... I need to go back and look. <laughs> yes, I do. I'm sorry. Yes. Okay. So, the what is the importance of the, the resurrection? Why is that a big deal? Why is this in our statement of faith? It shows that we serve a living God. Okay. Amen. Yeah, if he had just Amen. Died, wouldn't have meant anything. Wouldn't have meant anything. Anything else? Hope. Hope. Okay. Overcome. He's overcome death. Ooh, is Victor. Very good. Anything else? Could retire if he remained dead. Okay. Because one of us is going to have to die, and if he died for, he died for us. Mm-hmm. That death didn't happen. Okay. Then you're going to have to pay. Okay. Anything else? Anything else? I got one for you. How about I think the what the resurrection also does, and and y'all are all right, the resurrection and the ascension. I think it also proves to us that God was pleased with the sacrifice. That God was pleased with the sacrifice. Right? That it was fully atoned for. Very good. And, and because of that, then it gives us all it gives us all of those, you know, all of those those things. And so Christ has arisen from, from the dead, is now enthroned in heaven. And it shows his authority, right? It shows it proves his deity. Right? So there's all kinds of uh, uh, things that we can we can look at, um, uh, we can we can look at a couple verses there. But uh, I think we understand what's going on with the with the resurrection. Very good. Let's look at the uh, the very last one, point seven. All right. So it's now enthroned in heaven, and here's his. This is what he's doing now, and is uniting in his wonderful person the tenderest sympathies with divine perfections. He is every way qualified to be a suitable, a compassionate, and all-sufficient Savior. Very good. I like that. So in all of those things, right now, he shows Christ, is, he, uh, Jesus is showing the, his, all, that he is an all-sufficient Savior. An all-sufficient Savior. Savior. Hebrews chapter 7. Let's look at that passage together. There we go. Sounds like a song. What? Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost. I like that. Because of the full atonement, right? To the uttermost. There's not there's not one piece that's not that's going to be lacking. There's not going to be one missed file, right? I mean it's it's going to be perfectly done. The work is done. There's not going to be any hang-ups. I mean, it's, it's done. Save to the uttermost. His work of atonement is to the uttermost. To bring about and to make all things new. Those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. 
right? So now we see the, what, what Christ is doing now. He's now working as our, as our, our great and high priest before the Lord, intercessor, in making intercession for us, praying for us. For it was fitting, verse 26, for it was fitting that we should have such a high priest who is holy and innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He is sufficient. He is supreme. He is Savior. Very good. Do you understand, understand that point? All sufficient Savior. Questions on that last point? Is your word all sufficient? I put sufficiency. Mm-hmm. Yes, very much, very much. Again, we don't we don't speak of the things that we deny, but but by asserting our belief that He is a sufficient Savior, we are denying that there is anything anything necessary to be added to what Christ has done for us in order to accomplish our our salvation. Nothing more. Whatever you might say, yeah, but nothing. He is the sufficient Savior. And when God imparts salvation by His grace through faith in Jesus Christ, it is finished. Amen. Amen. Very good. What are some of the things that are added to the cross? What kind of works? <laughs> yeah, that's right, right, and and sometimes that's what we want to believe, right? We that sometimes that's why what motivates even some of our good works. We think that that's what's going to justify. It's what's going to make us kind of atone for maybe what I did last week wrong. Forget you know we're forgetting the gospel. We're forgetting that it's perfectly fully atoned for. Of course, confess, repent freely in in that light. Now that we've we've been loved in such a way. Very good. All right. Point five of justification. Now we're going to talk about justification. Um, yeah. Savannah, would you read the whole thing for us? Yeah. <laughs> Loudly. <laughs> we believe that the great gospel blessing which Christ secures to such as believe in him is justification. That justification includes the pardon of sin and the promise of eternal life on principles of righteousness. That it is bestowed not in consideration of any works of righteousness which we have done, but solely through faith in the Redeemer's blood, by virtue of which faith, his perfect righteousness, is freely imputed on us, on, to us of God. That it brings us into a state of most blessed peace and favor with God and secures every other blessing needful for time and eternity. Amen. All right. Very good. First point, we believe that the great gospel blessing which Christ and stops there. And and what we are seeing here is the gospel, right? The, the gospel which is in Christ, right? Which is the great blessing that has been given to us in Christ. So John chapter 1 is where we will we will look together. In John chapter 1 
looking at uh, verse 16 together. It says, for from his fullness, I'm talking about his fullness, Jesus' fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. We have received grace upon grace. So from Christ we have received grace through the gospel, which is that great gospel blessing. We have received grace. Ephesians 3.8, turn there together. Ephesians 3.8 says, To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. The grace that was given. The grace that was given through, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you see here what Paul's saying. He says, I've been given this message to preach these unsearchable riches to, to, to the Gentiles. So the gospel, the gospel comes through through Christ. So there's, that's that first point. Second, second point, so we believe that the great gospel blessing which Christ secures to such as believe in him is justification. Right? And I'm a, I, I titled this one salvation. I have a hard time using the same word. Uh, in the title there, but salvation. Uh, Acts 13, uh, go ahead and turn there, Miss Susan. Uh, Romans 8.1, uh, how about uh, Mr. Richard, Romans 8.1. Alright, so, secures such as to believe in him. So this is the great gospel blessing in Christ, which secures as to those who believe in him is justification. Right, is is justification. So that's what we're going to be looking at. So Acts Acts 13. Thirteen thirty-nine. We down the list. And by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Very good. So here we see we see Paul and, and Barnabas were in the uh, in the city of Antioch and Pisidia speaking here, and, and he says um, he says to them that everyone who believes is is now free, and and they're free as we've been as in the freedom and such the way that we've been talking about, right? And, and as the gospel frees us, it frees us in such a way that the law of Moses could never do, which wasn't its intended point, by the way. It wasn't the intent of the of the, uh, of the the law of Moses, right? It was the point to the new covenant. It's the point to 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 what what Christ was was going to do. Everything previously was a foreshadowing of of what Christ was was going to do. So here we see that our this justification is is now bringing brings freedom, brings freedom, right? And all the things that we were we were talking about before from uh, the atoning work of Christ. Romans eight one. Once again, I've already quoted it once, but what's Romans 8.1? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Very good. Very good. Preach that one to yourself. Preach that one to yourself. Use that. Write it down. Put it in your pocket. That's a good one to know. Right? So here's just, that's justification, right? That, that justification has brought us and brought about uh, uh, no condemnation. All those who believe. Right, no condemnation. Very good. Point three. 
that justification includes the pardoning of sin. Right? So when we say the pardoning of sin, what do we what do we mean by that? What do you think we mean by that? The pardoning of sin. What's that? Forgiveness. forgiveness that's right. The, 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 the excusing of sin, the pardoning of sin, the forgiveness of, of sin. Right? What's that? Forgiveness. Yep. Very good. The, the pardoning of sin, the forgiveness of sin. Romans, Romans 5. Kelly, go to Romans 5, and I want you to read 9 and 10. And then um, in the... Uh, in our time, we'll just we won't do any more. Go ahead and do Romans five, nine and ten. Yep. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we have that we are reconciled shall we be saved by His life. Very good. Very good. So here we see the forgiveness, right? The justification, right, was through his blood, through his atoning work on the cross, substitutionary atonement, sacrifice, redemption, reconciliation, propitiation, expiation, all those things, right, has been through through his blood, through his work on the cross, that we have been saved from the wrath of God. It's been satisfied, right? There's a definition of propitiation right there. And while we were enemies, we were enemies, right? Not not. ISIS is not the only enemies of God. All mankind that has not been atoned for by the blood of Christ are enemies of God. The little church-going kid is unrepentant in his prideful and moral ways and upstanding and self-righteousness is an enemy of God. Man, think about that. It's an enemy of God. But while we were enemies, while you were an enemy, while those who were standing that day reviling Christ, hurling insults at him, making fun of him, while we were enemies, we were there, were reconciled to God by the death of his son. That reconciliation, we may be saved. By his life. Forgiven. Forgiven much. Pardon of our sins. Forgiven. Amen. Next point. Questions on that? And verse, that's third point, and the promise of eternal life on the principles of righteousness. I kind of wish they would have put 1 John 1, 9 on this, this list here, because I think that would really help us out with this one. Um, but the promise of eternal life, eternal life was secured on the principles of righteousness, the righteousness of Christ, right? So our eternal, our now, our now given eternal life was not something that was just given to you because you're cool. It was atoned for. It was bought by Christ. It was, it was bought by, by, by Christ. Look at verse 17. Kelly, go and read verse 17 since you're hopefully you're still there. And Romans 5. 5, uh, 17. Mm-hmm. 
For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through, through that one man, much more would those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of the righteousness of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Very good. Very good. So what was the one man's trespasses? Who was that? Adam. Very good. And then the one man has brought us abundant grace, and that is, is Christ. And, and the, the free gift of righteousness, reign of life through that one man. Amen. So now we have been given eternal life based upon the principles of righteousness. Anybody know First John 1 John 1.9? Anybody remember First John 1 John 1.9? If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive, us of your, forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Right? He's faithful and just to forgive us of our unrighteousness. Not based upon our confession, but he's faithful and just based upon the righteousness of Christ. Your confession doesn't secure righteousness. It's Christ's atoning work that, that brings, about that, um, brings about that righteousness. And we go back to Romans 3 and we see that, that God is the just and the justifier. Very good. So eternal life is secure. The outcome of the intended outcome of, of justification is salvation and eternal life, everlasting life with, with, with God himself. All right, so let's look at uh, point five. Good, we're doing good. Point five on the principles of righteousness that it is bestowed, right, given, bestowed, not in consideration of any works of righteousness which we have done, but solely through faith in the Redeemer's blood. So here we see the idea, once again, of grace alone. Of grace alone. That it was given, our justification is given to us, bestowed, not in consideration of anything that we have done, right? And, and it has never been that way. No one has ever been saved based upon the consideration of what they have done. In fact, Paul makes the argument in, in Romans about, the, um, uh, of, about the, the faith and belief that Abraham had. Abraham believed and it was counted to him as what? Righteousness. Faith is through through by 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 that faith. So it's not in consideration of any works. Remember, we talk about the good works, right? There's nothing that we do of works of righteousness that we know. In fact, our righteousness are as filthy rags. I wish I can quote that verse. Anybody remember that one? Know where it's at? I know Isaiah uh, somewhere, right? I think it's Isaiah. Pretty sure. Uh, yeah, of of, of of filthy rags. That's that's our righteousness which we have done, but solely through faith in the Redeemer's blood, through the work of Christ and what he has done. So looking at Romans 4, I'll read that one for us since we're since I'm pretty close to, to Romans 4. Kelly, go ahead and look at Romans 6. Look there. Um, Carson, why don't you read Philippians 3? I'll look at Romans 4. It says here in Romans, Romans 4, verse 4 and 5, Now to the one who works, his wages are not, are not counted as a gift, but as his due. Right? You get what you earn when you have a job. 
but to the one who does not work, but believes in the one who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Right? So here's the discussion as with, with, with Abraham. All right, Romans 6, and it's 28, by the way, 628. There's no such thing as whatever I had. Or 23, I'm sorry. It's 623, not 28. I have to look at my thing. Yeah, there's no 28 there. Yeah, doesn't exist again. Remember that? Remember we had that discussion last week? Yeah. Actually, that's not the case. It was just a typo this time. No textual criticism on this one. All right, go for it. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Very good. So the gift... Is by grace, and it's through Christ. It's through Christ, right? We're, we're hammering this home here through Christ, through Christ. We can't say it. Can't say it enough. Philippians three. But whatever I gain, I had. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For His sake, I suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Now, I'd like to sit here and unpack this for you completely and, and tell you the, the context of what, what, he is, what he's really speaking of here. But looking at verse 9, we can see it, that it's not a righteousness of his, of him own, of his own. So he's describing why he can count it all as loss, because it's not a righteousness of his own. Everything that he has is all loss anyways. It doesn't matter because of the righteousness that he has is not his own, but it is of but it is of Christ. That in order I may gain Christ. And same thing, same idea. Once again, grace, grace alone, and and we see this all over. Look to flip uh, Ephesians two, uh, Ephesians one. And look at all kinds of different places for this same point. That but solely through faith in the Redeemer's blood in his work. Salvation is only there, and, 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 and praise God. Praise God. Point six, by virtue of, of faith in his perfect righteousness is freely imputed to us of God. So by the virtue of which faith, what does faith mean? What does faith mean? Believe. Okay, the assurance of things hoped for, right? Where are you quoting from? Uh, That's right, very good. Hebrews 11. Huh? All right, so there's, there's faith, the hope, the hope and the assurance, belief. The evidence of things not seen. Right? Very good. All right, so, so, we're, so our, our, our belief is in something that gives us great hope. Right, an, an everlasting hope, a future hope, and it believes in something that is that is unseen, that is that is unseen, and, and it's it's mysterious. All right, something something like you, you can't you can't explain. Right, that's why we, we we waded through those waters in Philippians two about faith is a gift. Faith is a gift that is given to us by by God. Now we see here, right, faith, by, by the virtue of faith, is his perfect righteousness is freely imputed. So that perfect righteousness is imputed, which means to, to give, to place upon, upon us. So that perfect righteousness is, is given to us. Now what's the verse that definitely needs to be added to this list here that's not there? What's the verse that we need to be looking at? 
Anybody know? Starts with a two. Two Corinthians. Five twenty-one. Second Corinthians five twenty-one. Anybody know what I'm talking about now? He became sin who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. Another one you can put on that Romans eight one verse to memorize. He became sin. Five twenty-one. Mm-hmm. He became sin who knew no sin. Right, that that what was given to us now is is Christ. So so there with with expiation, right? You guys remember what expiation was? What was that? Remember expiation? What's that? Substitution. Substitution and atonement, but expiation is the taking away what? No, not wrath. That's propitiation. But sin, right? And so that was taken away. He became sin. He became our sin so that we can become the righteousness of God, right? So what was taken away Right? We imputed onto Christ. On Christ was imputed our sin. Now imputed upon us, those who are in Christ, is the, the righteousness of, of, of God. This is what we call, in our, our, I would say, I think it's pretty sure it's the reformers who did this. They called it the great exchange. The greatest exchange. I mean, who, who would ever exchange something like that? Except maybe Walmart. Right? I'm just kidding. It's a slight to Walmart. Uh, who would exchange the, the sinfulness of, of mankind and then give us robes as sons and daughters of a king? Deserving wrath completely justly and yet given forgiveness. That's why it's called the great exchange. The great exchange. Imputation is the word that I used, but the great exchange. And so by faith, his perfect righteousness freely imputed upon us, to us of God, that it brings us into a state of most blessed peace and favor with God. And secures, or peace and favor with God, and secures every other blessing need, need needful for time and eternity. We, we can spend hours on this last point right here. We could spend quite a long time on this last point. That that everything, we see it in Scripture all the time. I mean, all, all things have been given to you pertaining to the godliness. There's not one thing that we are lacking. We kind of live that way, don't we? We always live like we're, something, we're missing something, that we're in need of something, but in Christ given to us, the Spirit of God, we've been given all things uh, uh, pertaining to, to, to godliness. We've given peace, and I, I call this reconciliation. Right? I call this point kind of reconciliation. This is what reconciliation has, has done. Right? God, then, God then just, it's not like the judge. You go to the court, and God then declares you as righteous, but he didn't just do that. Right? He brought you into his family. Then he, then he took this, this orphan and brought this orphan into his family and said, called you, now you are my son. And now that you are my son, you're now co-heirs with Christ. The riches of the inheritance of Christ have now been bestowed upon you. That, and, and that's what we, we see here, right? That it brings us into the state of blessed peace and favor with God. Right? That's when we go turn right back to Romans 8 again. Right? That God is for us, not against us. 
Right? I mean, think about the implications that have for, for, for each of us the thing that God is for us and not against us. And even in the bad things, when bad things happen, that's not God being against you. It's not God judging you. That God is for us. He's not, he's not against us. And I love that. He secures every other blessing needful in this time and for eternity. He's, he's, he's out for our greatest of, of, of well-being. And I, I love this. that I, I wrote here that our sanctification, our sanctification in this life now is fueled by our justification. So our justification, believing these truths about justification and salvation is what drives. That, that, that's the grace-driven life, right? the grace that drives our sanctification. Right, you want to be want to become more holy. Want to want to battle sin, make war on sin. No justification. Believe justification. Believe you've been justified. Just and justified how by your works? Nope, can't do that. But justified by uh, by someone else, by the other Christ. We can go forever on, on this point here. Um, you can look at the verses, but peace, reconciliation is back to Romans 5 and 1 Corinthians and such. Um, but very good. Any, anything else on those? Those are, those are good, important points uh, to talk about in salvation, of justification. Uh, next week we'll talk about the freeness of salvation and of regeneration. And, uh, and we, are, we, are, we are moving right along. We are moving right along. Questions, comments, anything? Uh, else pertaining to to the to the statement of faith. Everybody tracking? Any questions? Okay, good. What is, what's your word for five under justification? I, I put grace alone. Grace alone. Yeah.